You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side studios. Man, we got the local, the state, the national covering down on all the issues. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, it is Monday, Monday, uh, January the 16th. Some of y'all is off of work today uh, for Martin Luther King Day, and some of y'all ain't. So if you're in the ain't category like me and Boomer, Congratulations. Ooh, we're here. <laughs> we're going to keep the skids greased. We're going to keep America moving on this on this MLK day. Hey, Booms, how you doing, man? I'm good. Good weekend, and I'm here. You are. You are here like all day long. Like all day long, just like you. <laughs> Appreciate you. <laughs> um, and we got a great show for you. At 3 o'clock today, Erica Thomas. She hadn't been on the show in a while, but Erica is a reporter and an editor with uh, 1819 News. Uh, so she is going to be on the line with us regarding... Hmm, wokeism in the Baldwin County Schools, pray tell. Yeah, well, it's it's there. And uh, we're going to talk about what's happening, what she's uncovered, the reporting she just did, a two-part report, which, by the way, got a pretty decent response from the Baldwin County School Superintendent, so I was glad to see that. But we'll talk about it with Erica Thomas. It's going to be the it's going to be the, the great lead-in to, uh, well, I'll tell you in a minute, Triple Dipper, hit it. The Triple Dipper. Three stories you've got to know. That's right, the Triple Dipper. Three stories, three themes, if you will, that you have got to know. Number one, right out the gate, we're going to be talking about corralling society. So have you heard of a 15-minute community? A 15-minute community. What in the world is that? Why is the World Economic Forum, who I don't trust as far as I could throw them, why is the World Economic Forum excited about a 15-minute community? We're going to talk about what this means, what they're pushing for, how does it fall into the whole Green New Deal, and whether we should trust it or not. Anyway, that's number one on the Triple Dipper, corralling society. Number two, adventures in woke world. I love it when this happens, man. I mean, first of all, I hate that we got to find this much wokeness. It's gotten to the point that you can almost count on every week having a segment where I literally bring the stories to you, just just laying them out there. Just here they are. Wokeness, like you cannot even imagine wokeness, and, and it's, it's, it's all there. Adventures in Woke World, which will, by the way, be led off by our, our friend Erica Thomas from 1819 News. And then number three, the border wars. So we got a thing going on. We talked at length last week about the chaos in Mexico. Uh, Well, we're going to talk this week about just the chaos of our border in general. Latest numbers, all-time record setters. Well, that's not good because we've been breaking all the records as it stands anyway. So, yeah, number three on the Triple Dipper, border wars. All right, let me me jump over to my comments, my opening monologue for the day. So, listen, one of my favorite political personalities is uh, Margaret Thatcher, the former prime minister of England. And she had a way with words, and much like her counterpart at the time, President Ronald Reagan, she could tear down an opposing viewpoint with a minimum amount of verbiage. I mean, one of my favorites was from a press conference when Prime Minister Thatcher was presenting her statement on some topic that's been lost to time. At the conclusion of her remarks, she took questions. And one of the reporters began to take issue with her position by saying, But, madam, 
isn't that just the same old story? And without blinking, Thatcher responded, of course it's the same old story. The truth usually is the same old story. Where points well taken. The truth usually is the same old story. Truth is supposed to be unbendable. Truth is the thing that exists when all else is gray. Truth is real, and if it is in fact truth, then nothing can change it. But today there's a movement to go fast and loose with the truth by arguing what Oprah Winfrey calls your own truth. Well, here's the deal. The luxury of redefining truth, or worse yet, carving out your own little version of truth, is in itself not true. Truth is not an option. You can choose to deny it. You can choose to operate outside the boundaries of truth. You can even lie about it. But in the end, the truth is still the truth, and that's all there is to it. So you may be thinking that I just spent some time speaking what most of the world would call common sense, and you'd be right. But I got to tell you, it ain't common sense for everybody. Listen, as an attorney, I have more than once had to advise a client that their feelings about an issue are not necessarily the truth in the eyes of the law. And that's hard to do when they're emotionally caught up in their loss or their grievance. But the black and white letter of the law does have the final say. One client told me in no uncertain terms he wanted to sue a city for taxing him incorrectly. Those blankety-blank so-and-sos are destroying my business profitability and taking too much of my hard-earned money. He was going to file a criminal complaint. He was going to sue in circuit court. He was going to fight this all the way because he knew what was true. Well, the problem was it was his truth and his truth only. I had to tell him that he was required by law to file a request for an administrative hearing to have it reviewed, that it had to be done a certain way, that he could not just leap to court, and that he absolutely had no grounds for a criminal complaint, but he knew what he knew. But unfortunately, the burden of proof was on his side to show beyond a reasonable doubt that his version of truth was the truth. So I agreed to help him with the administrative review of his file, but the result was still the same. He owed taxes. Go figure. Period. After which he lashed out at everybody, threatened to file a grievance with the state bar against the mediator and the opposing counsel. Then he filed a criminal complaint. Then he demanded I file a civil appeal, at which point I told him no. The central issue in his problem was not everyone else on God's green earth. It was him. He was blindly adhering to a storyline that did not ring true in the end, but because it was his truth, he continued to lash out, daring anyone to question his truth. Well, what I just described to you is really what we often see in the progressive left's constant attempt to change culture to fit their truth. But let me give you two responses. You ready? I mean, I always said on this show, I'm going to do everything I can to equip you for the fight. So let me just give you two responses that are guaranteed to give you a leg up in any discussion with a liberal who is just bound and determined to rewrite truth to suit their own notions. First of all, here's the deal. Simply let them know they're not allowed to simply say that something is new truth. They're going to get mad. They'll consider you a homophobe or a climate change denier or some other brand they use when they don't get their way. But just calmly let them know that new truth is not truth. And then secondly, when they've quit shrieking, let them know that the burden of proof is actually on them. And that will usually freak them out. Because what you've just done is show them that, first of all, you're onto their game and you have principles you're standing on. And secondly, you're putting the onus on them to prove their point. And the bottom line is they usually can't. And that's where it gets really fun. I mean, for example, let's say you're in the unfortunate position of having to deal with someone who demands you use their chosen pronouns of they and them because their truth is that they're non-binary, neither male nor female, but something in between, perhaps even do the application of a new gender altogether. 
Never mind that the grammatically correct use of the English language has never supported using they, them to represent a singular person, like ever. So you look at them and say, I'm sorry, but there's no truth in that. Well, instantly you're homophobic. Denying their most basic rights, triggering their vast insecurities about the deprivations that non-binary people have always endured through the centuries at the hands of cis white males. So you take a breath and you blink at them benignly like a cow grazing in a sunny pasture and you simply say, prove it. Well, this is where they will either retreat hastily or demand that you capitulate under duress because they can't prove it. So you go one step further. You let them know that the biological sciences don't support their status as non-binary, that men simply can't have babies and women simply can't, well, be dudes. Ask what they can do to prove the science, because after all, the burden of proof is theirs. They won't know what to do, so they'll shout, but you've already won. Here's another. So maybe it's demanded that you get on board with green policies and begin accepting that sustainable energy solutions are the only way for the world to survive. The only way. After all, they'll say... The truth is, sustainable energy solutions are the best ones. So you calmly tell them that's just not true. Shrieks of climate change denier and eco-terrorist will follow, but you just ask them next to prove it. To prove that sustainable energy solutions like wind and solar are more capable and more consistent than, say, coal, gas, and nuclear. Prove that those solutions are capable of sustaining the grid in peak times and in surge times. Prove those sustainable solutions are sustainable in a vast inclement weather event. Prove those sustainable solutions could exist in the free market without the massive government subsidies that we keep seeing propping them up. But they can't. So they'll scream like banshees on a cold night on the moors, but it doesn't matter because you've already won. You see, you can do this with most any topic. When the left hits you up with the demand that you give heed to their version of truth, just remember the burden of proof is actually on them. And truth, like Margaret Thatcher said, usually is the same old story. And maybe, just maybe, their truth is a lie. And that's a wrap for The Right Side Way. There it is. Two things. You get hit with a liberal argument, look at them and say, that's simply not the truth and you're not, you know, you're not owed your own version of truth. And when they freak out, then totally, well, say the burden of proof is on you then. Prove it. And they usually can't. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, you do that every single time and just keep your cool, you'll win every time. Because liberals, they freak out when you won't get on board with their version of truth. And guess what? They're not owed their version of truth. Truth is what truth is. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. You guys stay tuned. We'll be right back. Back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right. Well, uh, I tell you what, this has been a weekend full of news, um, and I'm trying to figure out if we're seeing Boomer. I, I can't figure out yet. I've been looking online, but they keep saying, I think they found five more documents at the Biden-Delaware home. 
Five more? That's what the right side screen over there is saying. Uh, Right side pun. (laughs) Anyway, that's what the screen on the right is saying. Uh, The Fox is reporting and CNN had it a moment ago. Wow. And they're calling it a Fox News alert, meaning it's not just the thing that happened this past weekend, which is, by the way, they found more documents this past weekend. And this this whole narrative is getting worse and worse for Biden. And... uh, but, you know, they were locked in the garage with his Corvette. But uh, <laughs> With his Corvette. But right now, Gas-powered Corvette. I don't think he knows where there are documents. I mean... Apparently, they're all over the house. Apparently, they're all over the world. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're like left at his office in, um, you know, in, at the Penn Biden Center. And then there, there's some in his garage. And then there was... Wow. Apparently, there was some in his personal library. And then there was um, some more... Allegedly, yeah, apparently it's an alert. They're saying, okay, there it is. It's breaking on the ticker at the bottom. Classified documents have been found at Biden's Delaware home and his former and his former DC office. Okay, that's what we already knew. Well, okay, that's that's not news. I don't know why. I guess they're taking the the anyway, the whole thing's a freaking mess. Whew. Um unreal. I, where does it end? I don't I don't know. But you know, they it took the FBI raiding Mar-a-Lago. Um, to go to a room that the archives were already aware of that was locked in the manner the archives had asked for, where the documents were all compiled together in a box and um, in a locked basement in a facility guarded by the uh, um, Secret Service that also had visitor logs so you could tell who had come and go. Now we're finding that Biden's just been scattering them like what we got the other day. was was like, like Johnny Appleseed, just, just, just sending them around. And uh, so we're... We're just finding out right now that that there's a complete level of hypocrisy. Biden came out in September and said, you know, how this, well, what was the word that he used? How irresponsible could someone be talking about Trump and the documents? And yet here he is with basically a, a, just, a, just a, ra- a, a raft of documents everywhere. Um, you got a caller on the line, boom? Do we? Uh, do we? Oh, yeah, good deal. I'll tell you what, let me grab that real quick while I got time. Thomas from Athens. Thomas, how you doing? Did we lose him? Hey, Thomas, you there? All right. I think I think we think we may have some technical difficulties with Thomas's calls. So we'll we'll see if we can get him back in. Uh, other things in the news right now that are um, you know, just interesting and sad all at the same time. Um, so we we, you know just had the national championship football game and then uh the past i guess it was sunday night um we had a a a georgia football player who just literally won the national championship um who just died in a car accident and it was really hours after he had given a um an autograph to uh to a young kid who who wanted to uh to get a chance to meet him and uh, it's, it's, just, it's just sad to watch that happen. Um, at the same time, we also have today breaking news this morning that a University of Alabama basketball player, a member of the team, uh, has now been arrested for murder in a shooting that took place uh, late, I think, last night. And uh, so all said and done, uh, that's the sadness within the, uh, the ranks of uh, SEC sports. And uh, you hate to see it. Uh, it's, just, it's, just, it's just awful. Did you get that uh, tech worked out there, bud? We're going to try it again. All right, maybe, so, it is, maybe if not, I'm going to have to try one more thing. All right. Well, with <laughs> a few minutes left here, I got uh, line one, Thomas from Athens. Thomas, how you doing? Yes, sir. Just comment about these uh, these Biden documents. Yes, sir. Um, 
Biden did not have declassification authority, number one. That's right. Number two, when he was a vice president. Number two, he cannot be indicted. We've they've already um, they've already indicated you cannot indict a sitting president. You can indict a past president. Okay. Number two, number three, the the level of people, the white lawyers that are involved in looking for these documents and searching for these documents. Do you trust the DOJ to make sure that the chain of custody is appropriate for every document, including those which may relate to China? Ukraine, and so on and so forth. Well, I, I think the reality is no. I, mean, I think right now yeah. uh, the, 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 the upper level of the DOJ uh, is, is, is not at all, uh, in my opinion, impartial. Uh, here's, here's the question I have, Thomas, and, and, I, and, I, and I totally get what you said about uh, you can't indict a sitting president. That has been standing precedent uh, uh, for, for quite a while. The question I have is, how about if it was for actions that he committed while he was still a civilian? It was between the years of being vice president and becoming president that he apparently um, trafficked in these, uh, these, these classified documents that he had no business having. Uh, so my question is, if the actions occurred while he was still a civilian, can you reach back and indict for that? I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be indicted anyway. Um, um, but, uh, with the battery of lawyers and the uh, millions and millions of dollars that uh, he has to protect himself, I I don't think he'll ever get indicted. Well, and I don't. By the way, I doubt if he will either. I, I look at this whole situation as an opportunity to help get rid of him and 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 mitigate the the the, the, the rattlesnake nest they have now with Trump uh, that they created on their own. Um, so anyway, in result, Thomas, we'll wait and see. But you're right. Uh, he didn't have declassification authority. And, and the truth is this all this is all. By the way, we don't know where these documents were. Uh, we know where they are now. But how did they get there? When did they get there? And the Penn Biden Center, it wasn't even created until a year after he left office, which means the documents floated around somewhere and then made their way to the Penn Biden Center. So it's just there's been some hanky panky going on and we're going to, have to get to the bottom of it. Plus uh, $54 million that the Chinese government oh, yeah. gave to the University of Pennsylvania for the Penn-Biden Center. It's, it's the, the whole thing reeks. Well, hey, man, we're up against the break. Reeks. Appreciate your call, Thomas. Thanks for your patience okay. with the technology. Thanks. All right. Well, we'll, we'll see. Um, we, we, we will see. I hope we'll see. We'd better see. Here's the bottom line. We had better see. That's, that's what I got to say. You, I've, there are lives that have been ruined over, you know, mishandling of confidential documents and, and classified matters. And you can't have this kind of double standard. All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Oh, 
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right, covering down on some ground across the great state of Alabama. I'm talking about we are way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back over to Gaston, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi, all thrown in just for good measure. Um, well, l- listen, we're going we're gonna to jump right into to the first topic, corralling society. But first, but first, we do have an announcement. I, I, this is... This is breaking news. This is breaking right side news. Like this is where I need to have a Fox News alert, kind of thing. Ooh, we need to get a we need to get an alert sound. <laughs> alert sound. What do you have over there? What uh, sound effects do you have on the rack? Nothing cool like that. Come on, what do you got over there? You got a camel. You got an explosion. <laughs> you got an applause. What else do you have? Uh, I mean, nothing good. All I have are like crickets, crickets chirping. No, we don't want that one. That's not. That's not. That's not breaking news. And then the wah wah. No, that's not breaking news. That's like totally anticlimactic. I don't have anything breaking news other than the applause right now. That's the that's the only thing we got. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, here we're going to work on this. We're going to work on this. So, and and speaking of working on this, so here's the deal. So, um, you you guys hear Boomer's voice all the time. What you didn't know is that Boomer's better three quarters. Yes. uh, Is uh, her nickname is McQueen. And so, uh, is it Ma Queen or McQueen? I think just McQueen. McQueen. Now, honestly, our our little boy is a huge Cars fan. Yeah. And so, so there we go, McQueen. So Boomer <laughs> and McQueen are going to start being, uh, you know, you're going to start hearing more from them. But what I'm what I'm thinking is pretty cool is uh, you're going to start hearing once a week in the middle of all the other podcasting that we do for this show. Uh, Boomer McQueen, you guys are going to have your own gig, right? Your own That's podcast. Right. Yeah, it's going to be our own podcast. It's a fling off of this, but uh, we're calling it running, um, running to the right life, like because obviously we are on the right side of things. <laughs> so, that's I, I, see, I love that running. running By the way, the, yeah, that makes you the very first like subsidiary of Right Side Media. Ooh, that's nice. Running through the right life, subsidiary. I can't even say that word. Subsidiary. Subsidiary of, of right, right Side, side media. media. I like it. I'm digging it. Okay, so you guys, you like you, you, you kind of ran the, the... By the way, Boomer, you got to post the video. Oh, we do need to post the video. It's actually really funny. So the, the funniest... The, so Boomer sent me the like uh, the, the like the first run of their, their podcast this weekend, and I sent it back, and I said, I said... <laughs> I said, we love, so Charlene and I both listened to her like, we love Boomer McQueen. But you sent me, first you sent me a video with y'all sitting here in the studio <laughs> going back and forth, and it cracked me up. Oh, you know, man. If y'all, we'll, we'll post it. We'll post it on Instagram and uh, everything for everyone to see. When uh, when my wife sat down and started doing this podcast, she kind of, she, uh, oh, man, you, you, you just have to see it. It, it <laughs> It, we almost <laughs> didn't start this podcast. <laughs> y'all, y'all are a hoot. All right, I think this is gonna this is gonna go gangbusters. So listen, you guys, uh, audience, uh, folks out there, a bunch of right side ruffians, uh, you got the uh, the next round of things you can also partake in when it comes to the folks here at Right Side. Boomer and McQueen are gonna have their <laughs> podcast weekly, uh, calling it uh, was it Running with the Right Life? Am yeah, running. Yeah, running through the right life. Running through the right life. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, it's just digging a little deeper. You know, just into. Our lives and you know some some other people's lives and we're what, just what does going it take to raise kids in today's what it environment? Takes to raise kids and just walk through life with each other, walk through yeah. life, uh, you know, honestly, more so just with God's help. I I, I can see it working, man. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, 
we love y'all, and we're looking forward to it. Well, so. we, we're excited about it. We can't, we can't, we can't wait to uh, release these. I think we're going to start it in February. <laughs> and and uh, and what's a what's a what's a real hoot is uh, is is McQueen herself is a hoot. Oh yes. So I, I suspect this is going to go well, and, uh, <laughs> and 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 I, I think we just need to have you guys on the show once in a while too. Oh, you know what? Maybe I should ask her. We'll, I, that we'll would just, be fun. We'll just figure that out. It. it, it just her, having her in the studio I mean, if we she lost came Bird in would Man. be kind of crazy. I we, know. We, we lost, lost Birdman. Bird. We haven't had Boomer and the Birdman in forever, so maybe we just have Boomer and McQueen come on. I think that's a great idea. We'll ask her. Now I'm scared. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're excited, uh-huh. so thanks for letting us do this. Oh, man, this is cool. All right, all right. So uh, people are already texting about that. Uh, so, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's, there's, that's very cool. Uh, and by the way, somebody, Brian from Huntsville, just gave you an idea for a sound effect, I believe. So you might want to check that I'll, out. I'll check it out. He says, I'm just going to go to it. What's he say right here? The, by the way, the text lines are open, 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. And, uh, and if you dial in for the very first time or text in for the very first time, I mean, then uh, when you do, text the word right side, all one word. You'll get an automatic message back that says something like, hey, you right side ruffian, thanks for joining. Uh, hundreds of people are in our text string. And, uh, and we, we take those comments throughout the show. Uh, Brian from Huntsville says, uh, you need the, uh, the red alert from original Star Trek. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I can picture it. Oh. I, can, I can picture it. I got to find it now. I'm going right. to write that down. And then, uh, and then uh, we have somebody new who texted in um, with a 630 area code, actually. says, I can't wait for Boomer and McQueen. So whoever that is, tell us your uh, name and where you're from. But uh, we appreciate you being in the audience. So uh, good stuff. Um, you know who that is? Who's that? Is that? That's McQueen. <laughs> is that McQueen? <laughs> See, She's already she's already messing she's with us. She's already things. messing with us. All right. Hey, let me jump over to number one of the triple dipper before I just burn through all of our time. Uh, so corralling society, that's what I'm calling this. For the next little bit here, let me let me just lay something out for you. And I'll and I'll go ahead and say right up front, whenever I see something that is being touted by the World Economic Forum and the United Nations together, I get red flags. So yeah, this is where maybe we need more than that uh, Star Trek red alert sound. We but but you've you've got to you got to know that when there are certain organizations that are consistently on the progressive restructuring of society, um, that when they advocate for something, I'm going to be looking at it sideways. So, how many of y'all have ever heard of a thing called the 15 minute city? Well, I caught wind of this yesterday. There's a guy, by the way. I hope you know what? Maybe during the show today, I'll play it. But on social media, there's a guy named Doug. Uh, who's a used car salesman from England, go figure, who wrote a poem that said they still couldn't see. And what he's basically doing was calling out all the things that we have just allowed our societies to do to us without question. And and, and, and it's amazing. But in the middle of it all, he mentioned a 15-minute city. And I was listening to it, I thought, what is that? So I Googled it, and I told Charlene, I said, I just got my first segment. So here it is, the 15-minute city. The whole idea is restructuring the urban environment so that you live in little enclaves where everything you need is within a 15-minute walk of your house. Now, sounds cool. I wouldn't. Now, when I was in D.C., it was very cool at times. I mean, when I worked at the Pentagon, um, like any of you guys who have ever worked in D.C., you know what uh, Pentagon City is. Pentagon City is just like a, a section of the downtown D.C. area. They call it Pentagon City. 
and, and there's also Crystal City, and there's, you know, there's several others, like there's Alexandria, which is really Alexandria, is not D.C. But anyway, the bottom line is you have, like everywhere else, uh, you have enclaves that are named within the boundaries of a larger municipality. Okay. Pentagon City was very cool. I remember a guy telling me, because there's a whole underground aspect. There were literally, you could live in a high-rise apartment on the 10th floor. You could go down your elevator to the basements, and the basements there were drugstores and restaurants and grocery stores and, you know, uh, fast food chains, and you had the occasional offices and all that. And if you, I had a guy tell me that he literally realized one time he had not been outside in the bright side, light, light of sun for over a week. All he did was in his apartment, he went down to the basement, he worked at a restaurant, he went back to the elevator, went back up to his apartment, and it's possible. But here's my point in this. The 15-minute city might sound cool, but it cannot be a government mandate. It has to be a thing that springs up because people want it and they're seeking it out. If that happens, why would I care? But when you get down to what's happening with the World Economic Forum, and by the way, the very first article, which I'm holding up to the camera right now, all highlighted, marked up, and with notes written on it, is actually from the World Economic Forum. It says, urbanism trends come and go, but the 15-minute city framing of walkable, mixed-use urban development is a lot more than a fad. This, is, by the way, is dated March of 2022. This is a fairly new concept. It says, as climate change and global conflict cause shock and stresses at faster intervals and increasing severity, the 15-minute city will become even more critical. The 15-minute city concept, it says, which implies having all necessary amenities within a short walk, a bike ride, or a public transit trip from one's home, has demonstrated itself not just as an idea, but as a powerful tool from action for action. Oh, so it's an action agenda. It's not just a, this is a cool thing. I mean, it's one thing if you have like the villages down in Florida, you know, where they've got everything in a community. I, I get it. And you know what? And people flock there. That's cool. But when government begins to mandate it in order to fit a larger action agenda, like in this case, green policies, then it's a different story. Then it becomes a mandate for certain behaviors, and it also becomes a place where, truthfully, you can be locked down. And, and that's what gives me pause. First of all, and, and by the way, whenever they get into gobbledygook speak, like they don't even talk anymore like real people, listen to this. All right, Boomer, tell me how many good Scrabble words you find in this one phraseology. You ready? Oh, boy. All right. Here we go. This. With COVID-19 and its variants keeping everyone home or closer to home than usual, the 15-minute city went from a nice-to-have to a rallying cry. Meeting all of one's needs within a walking, biking, or transit distance was suddenly a matter of life and death. The pandemic created an urgency around equitable urbanism that sidelined arguments about bike lanes and other amenities that have roiled communities for years. I don't recall ever being roiled. Roiled. Yes, roiled. Don't... Uh, in fact, don't ever use that word with me again. No. <laughs> Royal. <laughs> I, feel, I feel dirty for having used that word. I don't know why. But, uh, but the end result is here. The pandemic created an urgency around equitable urbanism that sidelined arguments about bike lanes and other amenities that have roiled communities for years. No. First of all, the pandemic didn't change a thing about my hometown. Did it for you? I don't think so. I mean, did, did anything about... I'll tell you what happened. It made me want to get back out and people to get out of my way so I could take my wife to dinner again. It made me want to get out so I could go back to the office. It made me want to get out so that we could, you know, 
do a radio show without worrying about whether or not uh, we could go meet with people to advertise or whatever else and have the meetings that is necessary to run a business. How about this? You look through the entire thing and you find out that the World Economic Forum, when they're talking about this, says, you know, here we are. And it says, in order to get this point across, there will be a lot of creative destruction along the way. That's what it says. There will be a lot of creative destruction along the way, but that is how cities renew itself from within. The cities don't decentralize. The cities that don't decentralize work will struggle mightily in ways both known and unimaginable. What they just said is, we got to tear some things down. We got to have an action agenda to fit the larger agenda. And if it means putting people into communities where everything they have is within a 15-minute walk, that's what we'll do. Why would they do that? Well, they say here in another article, and by the way, this, this trend started in England and has made its way to the United States, but a, an overly long, overly verbose article that I've got here in my hands from uh, uh, the United Kingdom says a 15-minute neighborhood involves a menu of policy actions, policy actions that provide residents access to most, if not all, of their needs within a short walk or bike ride from their home. It's based upon four pillars, they say. Proximity, okay. Diversity, oh, here we go. Density and ubiquity, whatever. Here's the, here's the phrase that, that really got me. The COVID-19 lockdown forced millions of people to spend much more time in their immediate neighborhoods, and many of them began to see their communities in a new and often more favorable light. Liberated from the daily grind of their journeys to work, commuters have enjoyed additional opportunities for recreation, exercise, interaction, and collaboration provided by working from home. What they're saying is they want us to be separate. What they're saying is they want us to have little enclaves where we can feel secure. And oh, by the way, where there's no need to travel because everything you need is there. Pray tell, why would that be? Maybe it's because the same study I'm looking at says too many cities these days are overly reliant upon cars. Oh, and not just for traffic. It's because they want to move us to EVs, electric vehicles. They want a mandate. And they know they can't get past the mandate if you have to get somewhere. So what they want to do is they want to restructure society so you don't have to get somewhere. So when you do have to get behind the wheel of a vehicle, it doesn't have to go very far. Because keep in mind, you can't go more than about 300 miles on a full charge on most EVs today. And so what they're doing is the World Economic Forum, with all of its push towards green new policies, is literally espousing and the UN is buying and socialist uh, mayor of Paris and others are buying into the idea that we tear some things down restructure the way society works, pretend that everybody loves not having to go very far because no one wants to really get out. They all want to be home where it's sunshine and unicorns. And we just hunker down in our little enclaves, our little, you know, our little ghettos, our little, our little areas where we have no reason to have to be outside the, the walls that we're used to. And I find that to be very suspect. And I just ran long, Boomer. You just gonna let me talk, man? I mean, I'm just sitting here. I was just letting you go. Yeah, you apparently did. You better did. take me to a break right now, <laughs> or we're not gonna have time to go anywhere. All right, folks. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative and just plain right, talking about 15 minute communities. What do you think? Text it on in. We'll read it. Coming up top of the hour, Erica Thomas from 1819. We'll be right back.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Uh, on the text line, Missy from Falkville texted in, says, I like my enclave. I got three acres in the middle of nowhere, but I could walk across the road and grab a cheesecake or a thick sandwich from the Mennonite community. Man, a thick sandwich or a cheesecake. Apparently, I am extremely hungry because that hit me just right. I agree with you, Missy. Uh, hey, uh, I, I left myself hardly any time at all to finish this topic, but I got to tell you, here's so Bloomberg ran an article, and I pulled this one because I thought there's got to be a counter opinion out there. Well, there were. I thought this was a counter opinion article, except that what it basically is is an article saying 15 minute cities don't do enough. But here's 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 the uh, here's the part that really got me because you can't understand a single word he's saying. So Bloomberg article in March of 21 talking about the 15-minute city. says where the 15-minute city falls short. It doesn't take into account the histories of urban inequity intentionally imposed by technocratic and colonial planning approaches such as segregated neighborhoods, deep amenity inequity, and discriminatory policing of our public spaces. What in God's name did he just say? Does anybody have any idea? All I heard was it followed by Blah, 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 spaces. It was like Charlie Brown's teacher somewhere in the middle. It doesn't take into account the histories of urban inequity. Oh, Lord. Intentionally imposed by technocratic and colonial planning approaches. Ah, gee. Such as segregated neighborhoods, deep amenity, inequity, and discriminatory policing of our... All right, when I start hearing that kind of crap, I know that I am dealing with a policy that is not driven at all by what people want, but by what liberals want, period. In other words, they, and I guarantee you, they're not going to live there. And if they are, they'll leave themselves an out. Well, the last thing I've got, and I'll just kind of end it with this. It's called The Madness of the 15-Minute City. This one came out in October of last year uh, from an online forum called Spiked Online. Uh, Spiked online, a uh, professor named James Woodhuizen, a visiting professor uh, at London South Bank University. He says that literally today's planners are gripped by an anti-car ideology and their focus is less on helping people to get around than it is in reducing our cars, our use of cars by any means necessary. He says the concept of the 15-minute city was born with what's called C40, which is the 40 largest network, uh, the network of the 40 largest mayors uh, around the world. Um, you can imagine who some of them are. And it says, what is posed as a revival, in this case of Britain's green and pleasant land, is in fact a coercive drive to put motorists on a leash. Those homes with a car will have to count how many times they use it to cross town. There will be permits, penalties, and almost certainly more surveillance. All of this just so that some Oxford officialdom, which is declared a climate emergency, can be claiming to achieve net zero in a 15-minute city. I'm telling you, man, when I see this, when I see those who are advocating for it, I am leery as all get out. 15-minute city. If it works, fine. If the government and the World Economic Forum and the United Nations say we have to have it, I say no. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, shifting gears, coming right back with my friend Erica Thomas from 1819. Be right back.
all you right side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, the local, the state, the national, covering down on all the issues. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, it is hour number two. Inexplicably, it is already hour number two. And uh, we're going to go to the phones right now. I've got a friend coming in who, who hasn't been on the show in a while, but she's been on multiple times in the past. Uh, Erica Thomas is the news, uh, 1819 News Editor-at-Large uh, and came out with a piece this morning, and I thought, man, i got to text Erica and see if she can just come on the show. So without further ado, uh, let me go ahead and uh, bring on line one, uh, Erica Thomas. How are you doing? Good afternoon, Phil. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm good. I'm good. It's good to hear your voice. Haven't talked to you in a bit. Yeah. I know it's been a while. I moved, moved a little bit further away from the area, but I'm still covering uh, some issues all over the state. But this one was... Close to where I live now, over in Baldwin County. So well, I'm glad you, glad you're able to read it. Well, I appreciate it, and uh, I think Craig Monger had the first run at the story, and you picked up the follow up uh, from it. If I'm not correct, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yes, I will. I have to say, Craig is the one that uh, started this. He did all of the, the hard work, and I just simply got a reaction from one of the people involved. So, well, I mean, I have to give him all the props for this. Well, fair enough. Uh, um, <laughs> hey, hey, listen, let me let me just get you to go ahead and, and back up. And, and this is this is dealing with wokeness in in schools. And I'm about to do a segment in a minute. I do periodically called Adventures in Woke World. I saw this one. I thought, what a great lead in. So wokeness in public school systems, Baldwin County, Alabama. What was Craig's story and, and where did it go from there? So the original story was surrounding a document that was posted on the Baldwin County Public Schools website. And that document uh, talked about how the counseling and school counselors in the school system would have to use students' preferred gender pronouns and teach them how to navigate counseling situations confidentially, so not involving parents. Um, It supported gender affirmation as well as whatever their sexual orientation is, gender expression, all of these, these keywords we've been hearing uh, from this, these theories in the past five years. Um, you know, part of it is, is about trans, transgender issues, and another part of it is about just keeping things from parents. And, and this was all from guidelines from the American School Counselor Association. So Wow. Wow. Baldwin County Schools did not put this on their website. They allowed it through the American School Counselor Association. There was a link there um, to this handbook. And if you read the details in the handbook, it just it talks about multiple topics, um, all of them about gender, sexual orientation, race, and suspected abuse and self-harm. 
Well, and what's amazing to me is, first of all, these are positions being touted by an organization like the American School Counselor Association, which means that the document that we're seeing linked to our own Baldwin County Schools public school systems website is probably not unique to them. I would imagine this document is either in use or being touted or at very least linked on school systems websites all over the nation. Would I, would I be correct? Yes, if I had a child in a public school, I'd be sure to check my school system, my local school system's website, and even reach out to them and say, you know, do we have this handbook for, for my school or my school system from the American School Counselor Association? You need to know what's going on in your child's school, and this is just a perfect example of another time where a national organization comes in and is impacting the way that our local schools are handling children. Well, go ahead. Well, in this case, the superintendent, Eddie Tyler, with Baldwin County Schools, spoke out very powerfully against this. They were clearly unaware that these documents were linked on their website. So he came out and had a great statement just denouncing everything that was in this handbook. And he said that Baldwin County public school system does not have a gender identity nor a gender affirmation policy. Well, I, I, and I appreciate that. And I wanted to make sure we got to that because that was your part of the story was the response from the superintendent, Eddie Tyler. Um, he literally said, we are not, and we will not be mandating any acceptance of gender identity beyond what is published on a birth certificate, which I thought, you know what? Mr. Superintendent, you, you probably couldn't have said it better uh, than that right there. Um, but, yeah, but, and, and he said he was disappointed in all this, and he should have been. Um, but, you know, even school leaders and people that are in charge of the websites for the schools, just like he said with the books that are coming into the library, you have to go over every word, word for word. You have to really look into stuff like this. This can be very dangerous. It can also just be against what the parents and the public school system want, which is really what we need to look at. And he's correct. This would be in conflict with Alabama law. And I've talked to other superintendents, including the Jefferson County superintendent, who said, you know, the, even the Jefferson County school system will, will not do these things because it's against state law. So as long as, um, as long as the law allows for us to identify with the gender that we were born with, and that's what they're going to do. Well, and, and, and rightfully so. Um, now there's, I don't know if you, if you remember this, Erica, but uh, a little over a year ago, um, I, I, I broke a story on right side and, um, and it just, you know, what was aggravating to me was I couldn't get the same kind of traction you got out of the uh, superintendent from uh, Baldwin County, but in Madison County, Huntsville city school system, uh, they actually have mm-hmm. a handbook they use called uh, no place for hate uh, that is put out by the Anti-Defamation League that does the exact same things. It encourages teachers to uh, keep secrets from the parents about how the kids identify while they're at school. It encourages them to use gender pronouns that the kids choose. Um, and and the whole thing was just a, a, a liberal mishmash um, that is literally in place right now, or at least it was, in the Huntsville City School System. Do you recall that? Oh, yes. I do remember you breaking that story. I believe you texted me about it as soon as you heard about it. Yeah. It, and, and to my knowledge, the program is still there. And the Anti-Defamation League even had a place within that handbook that uh, that talked about if there's conflict in the schools, especially over these kind of policies, it didn't say take them to your, your, your leadership or to your school board. It said to let the Anti-Defamation League know, which to me is, 
also a red flag. Why are they the ones collecting this data? I know in the Huntsville area, there are parents that support these types of um, theories, and, and that's what they would want. There, we have that everywhere. I don't think it's as prominent as people would like us to believe, especially in Alabama. Uh, but it all comes down to parents being involved and paying attention and speaking up because the majority of people in Alabama want to follow the law in Alabama. Yeah. And these things can can be breaking the law. I mean, we can't let our school leaders and, and the people raising our children when we're not around to, to feel this way if that's not how we feel. So we've seen a lot of this happen. A lot of times we say, well, COVID made parents start homeschooling, but I think I think these types of things, as they creep into our schools, are going to lead to even more homeschooling private schools. And at the end of the day, in Alabama, the public school systems are going to suffer from it. I, I, I agree. And I, I think it also, even uh, even aside from the legalities, there's the moral issue of keeping secrets from the parents. Uh, you're, you're not, you are, you are provided the opportunity to give the kids care and education during the day, but you are in no way authorized to decide what is best for the child's life. That's the parent's job. It's very disturbing when we're seeing teachers and, and school leaders support keeping secrets from parents. Yeah. I, that's like having a babysitter that you pay for and they not tell you what happened when, when you had, when they had your child during the day. I mean, it's just ludicrous and, a child cannot make decisions that impact the rest of their life no. without the parent knowing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, Erica, thanks so much. And I, and I will say this. I, you know, I got a caveat by saying I, I believe that the vast majority of public school educators uh, and administrators in the state of Alabama uh, agree with what you and I just said. I would think that the minority view would be um, in this state would be the, the whole gender affirming, keep the secrets from the, from the parents. But the fact is it's out there. And I think your earlier point is spot on that parents need to know what's being put on their, you know, their, their, their kids uh, school's website during the day and what policies are in place in the system where they put their kids. And, uh, and that's an important piece. And we just always have to remember that just because we're constantly hearing this stuff and this rhetoric doesn't mean that it's the majority of people. That's exactly you right. Know, I, I think that's a huge part of this nationwide. Hey, Erica, thanks so much for your time on this and uh, great job. And I, and I really appreciate you gathering up the uh, comments from uh, Superintendent Eddie Tyler down in Baldwin County. Um, you have a great day, okay? Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. All right. See you. That's Erica Thomas, uh, editor-at-large for 1819 News. Story you can find on their website. Uh, it's not the top story now, but you can just go to their website and uh, and actually hit the search and then type in the word Baldwin. That's how I found it. You'll find the, the articles talking about it. And like I said, in the, in the Huntsville City School System, they've got their own handbook, which was, you know, they brag about it. Uh, no Place for Hate, uh, put out by the Anti-Defamation League. An, an uber liberal organization that's right up there with, you know, human rights campaign and others uh, trying to encourage the shifting of cultural mores in our schools. So I'd be curious to know, is the no place for hate curriculum and the handbook itself still in use in the Huntsville city school systems? If you know, go ahead and text or call in. I'd love to know. All right. Uh, great, great call from Erica Thomas, 1819 news. And when we get back from this break, we're going to come right into <laughs> Adventures in Woke World. I got some stuff, man. 
I got some stuff. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, making it cool to be a conservative. Uh, text lines have blown up. I need to get to some of those here pretty soon. But, uh, yeah, if you want to text in, 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. And sometimes I've been told that I say that too fast. So i got to say it. i gotta, I got to slow gotta it down. got to say it slow. I gotta, it's 833-687-4448, y'all. There you Slow go. Slow with the twine. That's right. We've got to put the twang on it to make it work. <laughs> uh, all right. So we're moving to number two of the Triple Dipper, Adventures in Woke World. This is the one where literally I find wokeness, a, a, a whole buffet, a plethora, a cornucopia, if you will, of wokeness. And I think, all right, I got enough. It's time for another one. Hit it, Boomer. Adventures in Woke World. <laughs> There it is. All right. Adventures in Woke World. These are the kind of stories. Some make you roll your eyes. Some make you laugh. Some make you just like get mad. The others will make you don't want to throw something at the radio. But uh, just be careful. Strap yourself in. We got some wokeness to walk through here. So um, the very first one I'll say is that, um, you know, God bless them. But there is an absolute push right now to destroy the idea of progressing on merit in this society. The woke left is absolutely determined that the color of your skin or whether or not you are gay is what is more important than whether or not you have the means to succeed in terms of academics. It is unreal to me how they will literally claim that on the, on the auspice, under the auspices of equity, equity, we have to promote people who haven't earned the right to be promoted. Well, Phil, don't you know they're being held back by the vast inequities being perpetrated upon them by colonialism and historic uh, cis white genders, you know, whatever. Okay. Story here from Fox. New York City secretly demands that teachers consider a woke agenda when selecting students for the gifted and talented program. I kid you not. Um... New York City's Department of Education is revamping its gifted and talented program for kindergartners. 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 With a woke equity agenda. So the DECE, which is the Department of Early Childhood Education, posted a private training on what teachers should look for when selecting children at young ages for accelerated learning. All right, so here's the bottom line. is They posted a video on the website, and they literally branded it as do not disseminate or distribute. Okay, danger, Will Robinson. Danger. So when you've got when you've got the public school system posting something, but then also basically saying, "Don't tell anybody." There's a problem, and you know there's a problem. According to the web page, it says students will be considered for eligibility based on behaviors that may indicate readiness for accelerated learning. Okay. 
One of the hate behaviors, first of all, is when the child pushes back on authority. Hmm. Says children need to be presented with opportunities to demonstrate gifted behaviors. The students we serve in gifted programs rarely proportionally reflect this scenario. Um, okay. One of the ways students can demonstrate eligibility to teachers at that very young age is if they refuse to do something when the purpose behind the task is not explained. I think that's called belligerence to say, I think that's called disobedience. So let me get this straight. If a kindergartner stomps his feet and looks at you and says, no, I don't want to. Why? Why I got to? That's what a kindergartner does. That's what they do. That's where you help mold them and shape them and let them know, little Johnny, you have to do this thing. Little Susie, this is the way it's going to be. And if you, if you can't comply, then, then I'll have to tell your mommy and daddy that you've been bad today and you won't get a happy face sticker. All right. That's the way it works in kindergarten, unless you're in the Department of Early Childhood Education in New York City. But then it gets worse. The education department asked participants in the training to consider their own implicit biases when choosing students for the gifted and talented program. Oh, here we go. Here's the quote. Now we're going to take some time to examine our own biases. Becoming aware of our implicit bias and how they guide our decisions is essential for all educational process professionals. The New York City Department of Education is committed to advancing equity now through the meaningful development of each of its educators. And it goes on to say that in April, Mayor Eric Adams of New York City expanded seats in the advanced program for equity purposes. And he scrapped at the same time a standardized education test that evaluated who was best as opposed to their academic merits leaving some parents confused about the criteria. So let me get this straight. First of all, if you're trying to select a kid, you might want to look for the ones who racially fit the demographic profile of equity in terms of having a distribution. And then secondly, you want to find that four- and five-year-old who is resistant to authority because they obviously have a creative mindset. And then secondly, you do away with the merit-based academic test that we've always used in the past, apparently, because that meritorious test, well, for equity purposes, it might be discriminatory. That's what we're having happen. That's what happens when wokeness gets hold of the education system. And parents are speaking out in New York. They're like, we have no idea. The rules keep changing. We don't even know what to expect. Well, the reality is it's not a gifted program if kids get there without being gifted. End of story. I got a whole lot more of that. Y'all stay tuned. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Adventures in Woke World. We'll be right back. Right Side Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. 
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all of North Alabama. Solid conservative and just plain right. I mean, man, this show is like way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville. Tuscaloosa back over to Gaston, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi, all thrown in just for good measure. So I am in uh, number two of the Triple Dipper, Adventures in Woke World. In fact, Boomer, I think we need to just play the intro again. Just hit it, bud. Adventures in Woke World. All right. So listen, the next story I got, uh, it's sad, but it's, it's, it's got to be reported. So uh, New York Post reports as of uh, this West weekend, the seventh dead whale has washed up on the Jersey Shore. Now, this is, it's sad. First of all, I mean, you hate it. It's, it's, a, it's a loss of marine life. And you think, okay, this happens occasionally. You have a whale, a dead whale washes up. I get it. But then what, seven? And this is like seven in a short span of time. So it says a seventh dead whale in a little over a month has washed up on the Jersey Shore this week, sparking a debate about the impact wait for it, of offshore activities on marine life. Those activities may be what? A new wind farm. So, yeah, we've had, uh, I mean, just looking at some of them, we've had, uh, and they're big, too. These are not like baby whales. You said seven, seven. in the month. Seven, yeah, in 30-ish days. Uh, a 30-foot female humpback, humpback uh, a 12-foot sperm whale, a uh, female sperm whale in Rockaway Beach, a where else? Um, it goes on and on and on. It lists all the different whales, and they're showing pictures of it. New York Post, and these are these are massive, massive. They're, I mean, these are these are whales that you think of when you think of whales. All right. So, but then it goes on to say, um, it has created the controversy uh, of, around a new offshore wind farm uh, activity. Where is my spot in the article here? I'll get to it. Um, with, is it shoot, I know I could find it. Dead gum. If I if I had if I had highlighted correctly, I would already have it. Um, <laughs> but but this is this is this. First of all, crickets right now from the green energy community. Play it. Yep. Whales, <laughs> whales dying. Certainly not our fault. Whales dying. No. It says there is currently uh, no offshore wind turbines in New Jersey, but there are several projects underway. They're being put in. Uh, to reach an offshore electric wind generation goal of 11,000 megawatts uh, put in place by uh, the governor of New Jersey. Um, governor Murphy says he calls the whale deaths tragic, and he vowed that investigation's underway, but surely it's not related to these things. Certainly not. Well, uh, I got news. I think we're going to find out that something has changed and that something is the level of activity offshore right now to promote the Green New Deal which may or may not actually, I think it may actually be um, harming marine life. By the way, Save the Whales is like the very first ever eco-uber-liberal, you know, moment. Greenpeace, Save the Whales. And seven dead whales washing up on the New Jersey coastline in just the last recent weeks. Uh, Boomer, by the way, did you ever, have you ever seen the video? It's an epic video. I know some of our listeners have seen it, of the town in Oregon that decided they had a huge whale. I think it was a blue whale. A huge whale washed up dead on shore. They didn't know what to do. It was so big. They decided the best way to handle it was to blow it up. <laughs> what? In Oregon? <laughs> I kid you not. No. Florence, Oregon. Is that anywhere near where your family used to live? Do you have any Florence, idea? Florence, I'm not. They they were about three hours from the from the coast. Okay. All right. Two and a half 
Yeah, from the coast, but I don't think it was Florence. I think Florence was a little bit further. So Florence, Oregon, 1970. All right, so if anybody out there is, if you haven't seen the video, I encourage you. In fact, the best one that I found when I was thinking about this earlier was, it's, it's called the Exploding Whale 50th Anniversary Remastered. <laughs> YouTube has the video. Oh, man. K-A-T-U News. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Paul Lindman reporting for Channel 2 News. 1970, and the video, <laughs> the video shows this massive dead whale on the. And it's, it's I hard. may be pulling it okay, up right I, now. I feel bad. I'm laughing, but the reality, but the massive whale is is laying out there on the beach, and there's there's Paul Lindman reporting live from the beach in Florence Beach, and he's he's talking about this massive whale in the background laying dead on the beach, and the city officials decided this thing's too big, man. We can't haul it away. Uh, we can't dig it out. We don't want to have to carve it up and take it away. And pee. I know what. Let's blow it up. And wow. so it literally shows them bringing in their experts. Are you watching the video right oh, now? I'm watching it right now. Yes. <laughs> and it has like a little bulldozer bringing in all the explosives. And they're gonna, I guess they're going to stuff the well with the explosives. They stuff the well with explosives. They pack that <laughs> thing so full of C4. I mean, and then when the explosion goes off, and then they, literally the video has a countdown, and everybody's on the on the up on the bluffs watching as this whale is laying on the beach. That thing goes off like a mini nuke. It was like a tactical nuclear explosion on the beach of Florence. <laughs> but the funniest part, I mean, luckily nobody was killed, was that literally massive chunks of whale blubber began falling everywhere. You could watch the video as they rained down from the sky in in pieces. So, Cars were crushed in the parking lot adjacent to the beach. I kid you not, the video shows cars that were completely crushed by massive pieces of falling whale blubber. Unreal. Wow. Un, un, it's, it's, oh, there it is. Three, it, two, one. Uh, <laughs> oh, blood. You can just see it just. Oh, it did have a red mist. Oh, wet, that's awful. oh man. Wow. Oh, look at wow. that. Okay, y'all have to look at this, this if is, you have not. So I am. I am seen getting, it. That's it's Sandy from Harvest is texting and said, that's a whale of a story. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, okay. Wow. We got all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So if you haven't seen the, uh, just, just type in whale explosion, Oregon, you're going to find oh, it'll it. It'll pull up. It's, it's, you found it like real quick, didn't you? Super fast. <laughs> oh, there's the car. <laughs> there's the car totally that's destroyed. completely destroyed by, I mean, this is well, this was this blubber. Was a full size, like you know, 1970 era sedan that is just crushed by whale blubber. People standing around looking at it with their hands on their faces, like they have no idea what just happened. <laughs> and I guarantee you, somebody lost their job at the city. Here's an idea let's blow the sucker up. Uh, who was that, man? Who was on the phone? Somebody on the phone? Like it was call. Brian. Oh, okay. He was, he was just saying he's laughing a lot at the whale story. <laughs> go, go look at it. I mean, you have to, you have to, you have yeah. to. I, 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 give, I had not seen it yet until just now, and, and that necessary, is necessary. Awesome. I give permission for you to leave the show briefly to go and watch the video. It is necessary. It is, it is pertinent. I will soon figure out how to we can just live stream that, the, those things when we pull it up for people. Once we once once I figure it out. You know what? That would be a perfect idea. <laughs> so that we can talk about it and watch the video just We'll commentate. We'll do the overlay of the commentating for everyone. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen, C4 having been packed in. <laughs> the man with the plunger sits there waiting for the signal. Three, two, one. Good lord. Oh, humanity. <laughs> 
Wow. Paul from Athens is texting in. Watch this. Hold my beer. <laughs> Hold my beer. Watch, watch this. this. Hey, Nothing y'all. good ever happened after the phrase, ooh, watch this, was kicked off. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Nothing good ever. Oh, my gosh. All right. Hey, back to uh, Adventures in Woke World. So um, the National Hockey League. Uh, which, by the way, Boomer, didn't we have a story a couple of weeks ago? National Hockey League had their first ever like uh, LGBTQIA plus um, hockey tournament. Oh, I believe it was National Hockey League. It had uh, to be, yeah. It was. Yeah. It was like I forgot what they called it, but it was like they had the pinks against the the blacks or something like that is what they called the teams, and and they had one you know big dude who believes he's a woman that literally crushed the little woman who believes she was a man up against the boards and caused injuries and had they had to actually bring in a board and take her off the ice. Mm. Uh, you look at it and go, wow. Okay. Who thought this was a good idea? That's what happens when you cave to the woke agenda. It's sooner or later, you have to ask the question, who thought this was a good idea? Usually that's in the aftermath of uh, serious liability and personal injuries. Uh, story from the Washington examiner story from the Washington examiner. National Hockey League backtracks after Ron DeSantis' office blasts their woke job fair. So, yeah, the National Hockey League, continuing to pursue its wokeness, literally held a job fair or posted a job fair in Florida and immediately got called out by the governor's office. Here's the ad. You ready? Quote, participants must be 18 years of age or older based in the U.S. and identify as female, black, Asian, Pacific Islander, Hispanic, Latino, indigenous, LGBTQIA+, and or a person with disability. Read the now delete, deleted LinkedIn post for the National Hockey Way's Pathway to Hockey Summit event. In other words, what they were doing was they were saying, hey, we're going to hire people, but you can't be white or straight. That's what they were saying. First of all, it's hockey. But what, what they were saying was literally, and, and I'll read it to you again. Here's the list. Female, black, you have to identify, I'm sorry, identify as female, black, Asian Pacific Islander, Hispanic Latino, indigenous, LGBTQIA+, and or a person with disability, and or. So you could be um, a, a black uh, transgender handicapped person, and you've got a leg up, man. You get hired by the NHL. That identifies as a female. That, okay, there you go. <laughs> uh, the governor's team swiftly responded to the post saying, quote, we are fighting all discrimination in our schools and our workplaces, and we'll fight it publicly. Uh, we call upon the National Hockey League to immediately remove and denounce the discriminatory prohibitions it has imposed upon attendance to the 2023 Pathway to Hockey Summit. And then following that, Christina Pushaw, who is the uh, DeSantis' campaign spokeswoman, says, NHL, you are officially on notice about your planned events. Unlawful discrimination will not be tolerated. And they took down the, the, uh, the, the posting, and the event uh, is now intended to be for anybody who wants to apply. Funny how that worked out. I'd love to know, too, NHL, was that an official policy and you changed it because you got caught? Or was there a staffer somewhere who got ahead of themselves, a little out over their skis, and when the boss found out, they literally said, "What would you stop?" And they did the person keep their job? I'm curious. All right, Boomer, take the break right now, man. I talked about whales so much that we already that. <laughs> and during the break, if you have not seen it, go do the quick Google Oregon beach whale explosion. 
and you're going to laugh. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. You guys stay tuned. We'll be right back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. So uh, I got I got several. The whale got some attention. Uh, so uh, uh, Andy from Arab, <laughs> Andy from Arab, who was in the 82nd Airborne Division, uh, he said, "Thankfully, we didn't train in whale disposal as combat engineers in the 82nd Airborne." <laughs> Glad of it. I don't think it would have gone over too well. Uh, there's a special hazardous duty pay for this one. Um, Alice from Huntsville. Why did they just build a fire around the whale and cook it? I don't know, Alice. I, <laughs> that's a great question. I have no idea. I guess they figured they couldn't burn that much, and it just, you know, I don't know. So I got something. So I figured out how we could play it. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. I figured it out. So if we should play it, they could actually just pull up our live stream and watch it. All right, I tell you what. Give me give me a minute to read. You go ahead and get ready, folks. If you want right. to watch the live stream on our website, uh, <laughs> www.rightsideradio.org. That's rightsideradio.org, not .com, .org. Rightsideradio.org. Uh, the live stream is on there. Take you a second and go to it. Boomer is about to play the uh, the, the video, and we'll, we'll talk through it because it's just – I can't believe I just thought of this. I mean, this is like the, the show has now been derailed over something that happened in 1970, but that's okay. Uh, it's as far <laughs> But <laughs> Nick from Harvest, uh, he says, uh, he says, he says, one good thing came from hold my beer, watch this, warning signs. <laughs> yes, <laughs> totally agree. Uh, uh, Paul from Athens, I think the amount of dynamite used was a bit over whaling oh okay uh. i see what he did there. It's, it's, that that one deserves a womp 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 um anyway all right hey uh well i'll tell you what boomer you got it i got it uh, so how, how much did you put on there the whole uh, video no i just... got it counting down from three and it's and it will blow up okay so uh, <laughs> all right host that sucker oh you a great job boom oh it's right here Two, one, boom, and you will see the okay. red mist. All right, hit the hit the hit and hit the play. Let's go ahead and see it. Oh wow, that's like I said, it's like a tactical nuke, and I'm I'm watching right now as as it just literally is wow. And then do you have it on there too, where it's the oh look at the giant pieces of blubber falling in the sky. Oh yeah, they're just unbelievably. I mean, like they're they're big as cars. Somebody- oh wow, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> and you're and, here. I'll see if I can fast. Here's here's some cars right there. Oh yeah. Get, oh get, here it comes right the, there. Oh oh, I, it's not showing up on the on the. Oh yes oh, yeah, it is. Oh crushed automobiles. Crushed automobiles. Oh look at that one. Just destroyed <laughs> that that Cadillac. Wow. Oh man. Oh boy. They're staring at it like what just happened. Somebody said hold my beer, and I don't know what after that, but the roof fell in. Um, man. Okay. Oh, Woo. God. Okay. That was fun. 
<sighs> okay. Hey, um, all right. Continuing on with Adventures in Woke World, I got a couple more for you. Actually, I got several more for you. Here's one. I tell you what, though. Let me shift gears. This is going to make you mad. This, is, this one makes me mad. Los Angeles, Blaze.com reports as of uh, this weekend, Sunday, uh, Los Angeles Police Department bans the thin blue line flag. The police department itself banned the thin blue line flag. If you're not familiar with the thin blue line, it's an American flag, and one of the stripes right in the middle is in blue, and it's designed to represent, I mean, but basically it's, it's an honorarium. It, it, it honors police officers. It honors the fallen, uh, and it's also there uh, to, to basically uh, say this is who we are, and, and it's, it's a symbol basically of, um, uh, of the strength of the police force and the unity of the men and women uh, on the force and an honoring of those who fall in the line of duty. Well, huh. The L.A. Police Department banned the thin blue line flag because it now allegedly symbolizes, quote, undemocratic, racist, and bigoted views. Wow. So let me ask you this. I know that the um, I know that the gay community has seized upon the rainbow as their imagery. Should churches not teach the fact that the rainbow actually came from God's promise? I would say no. I mean, you, sh- you should be allowed to t- it, literally because they co-opt your symbol doesn't mean you should just give it away. How about this? If the if the American flag becomes uh, a symbol of of hate, are we going to do away with it? I mean, what the heck? The thin blue line symbol is a pro-police emblem that is said to represent the thin line between order and lawlessness in a society maintained by law enforcement who wear blue uniforms. LAPD Chief Michael Moore sent an email to the department personnel defending his ban, saying the thin blue line has been hijacked by extremist groups. He claimed that he received a community complaint this week. Now, the point that I make here is he received a community complaint this week. He doesn't say he received overwhelming calls from the community. No. The article I'm looking at from The Blaze says he claimed that he received a community complaint this week about the presence of a thin blue line flag in the lobby of a police station. The complaint alleged the thin blue line flag symbolizes support for violent extremist groups such as the Proud Boys and others. Here's his comment. And this is where I realized that what we're dealing with is a guy who has been made police chief who has no strength of character and does not deserve the job. Moore said he viewed the thin blue line flag as symbolizing the honor, valor, dedication, and sacrifice of law enforcement to protect communities. However, the police chief said some people had undermined the flag with their racist, bigoted, and oppressive values. So what we basically hear there is, well, I mean, I like it too. I I, I do, but, you know, some people get offended, and uh, other people have been using it wrong, and so I felt like we had to get rid of all of it. That's jackassery right there. Boomer, that is total jackassery. Completely. Yes. Um, he did not have the strength of character to stand by his men and women. Um, the union, the police union, came out and just in utter disgust and disappointment said that what this was was nothing more than political defeatist kowtowing uh, by the department to groups that praise the killing of officers and the outright call for violence against those in uniform. Now, I'm just saying. Thin blue line. Men and women in blue, we love you. We stand by you. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. More Woke World. We'll be right back.
right side ruffians out there. You are listening to Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right. Listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios, local, state, national, and sometimes even international, man. We cover down on all the issues, and like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Uh, hey, we are in hour number three, which is inexplicable to me. It's hour number three. I mean, how did this happen? We're hour I, three already. I don't know, but we did get some good texts. As oh, yeah? well, yes. Oh, yeah? During the break, we did. Oh yeah, uh, Paul. Oh my gosh, they're yeah. huge. They're know, all over the so place. many. Paul from Athens was uh, talking about you know when we were talking about the flag for the police yeah, officers, the thin blue line flag, mm-hmm. yeah. And he he actually sent in a picture of a flag that was a rainbow flag, and he said, and they want to say that that this is okay. Oh, it was an American. Fl- it was American flag. That's oh, I see the all rainbow color. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. Wow. Um, but then a couple other like funny ones. Randall from Newmarket, when we were talking about the uh, the well, yeah. you know, blowing up, he goes, yeah. "Oh, a new way to make fish and chips." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although I'm not sure those are the kind of chips you want, dude. I'm just saying. <laughs> and then uh, John from Huntsville was uh, telling us that we need you and I need to break the world record for consecutive radio interviews. Consecutive. Radio interviews? Yes. The record is 25 hours and 35 minutes long. <laughs> Why would we want to do that? I mean, then we get a plaque. I think I would get tired of myself at that <laughs> point. <laughs> I'm just, you But know. he would listen to the whole thing, he said. He oh, like, we well, go. John, um, that would be, uh, that would make three of us then. You and I <laughs> and Boomer would all listen to ourselves for 25 consecutive hours. Uh, what else you got in there? Anything else? Oh, I mean, there's so many in here. I, yeah. I just kind of just pick the 
just a, a small section. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Hey, uh, jumping back in, I'll wrap this segment up here uh, before the next break. So uh, several things in woke world. You know, I love it when liberals look at things and they don't want to call it what it is. Like, you know, he's a criminal, but I can't call him that because he's, you know, less privileged. Okay, hotair.com has a piece called Baltimore's Plan for the Squeegee Kids falls fails almost immediately. Okay. So you've probably seen it. Maybe some of y'all have experienced it where you, you pull up at the red light at a, in a major city and, and, a, and a homeless person comes over and spits on your windshield, rubs it with their sleeve, and then wants you to pay them for cleaning your window. Um, well, it's become a real thing in Baltimore. It's become a trend. They call them squeegee kids. And they're not all kids, by the way. Most of them are not. They're basically, in the court of the article from hotair.com, they're people who typically extort money, extort money from commuters at intersections in the city's downtown area, and those who dare to refuse to pay the extortionists are frequently subjected to vandalism, violence, and even worse. So the new mayor of Baltimore, Brandon Scott, he promised on the campaign trail he was going to find a way to end the practice, but yet also still help the squeegee workers, because they're squeegee workers now. Okay. He was going to establish no squeegee zones and have the police help the perpetrators find other productive work elsewhere. Sure you are. That's wonderful. I'm crying in my sleeve. The plan was finally put into effect this week. Multiple downtown intersections were decorated with no squeegee zone signs. The police were stationed in the area to monitor the results. The results were precisely what many critics had predicted. Most of the squeegee kids just ignored the signs and kept on doing it. They've been doing it all along. Um, so what do they do? Well, they, they have to give them a ride somewhere. So then the police have to take up their time, not arresting them, not citing them, not stopping them, just getting them, putting them in the back of a car and driving them to one of the acceptable squeegee zones from which they rec- rec- they rapidly leave and go back to the non squeegee zones and continue what they're doing. The article points out this was never going to be a ban. It's just the, the attitude the mayor displayed because he was, he was too worried about offending people who were never going to vote anyway, mayor. He talked about squeegee workers as their actual workers doing real jobs. He says, now the police have been instructed not to arrest them unless they're engaged in actual violence. Just come on, man. What are you, a junkie? You dog-faced pony soldier? <laughs> I don't know where a dog face. You never heard that? That was President Biden's retort to some guy at a. That's President Biden. Oh, dog face. You're a dog pony face pony. Soldier. Some guy called him out on something at a uh, at a campaign event, and in, in multiple lines from Biden, it was, "Come on, man, what are you a junkie?" Another one. <laughs> another one. He looks at the guy and goes, "You're a dog face pony soldier," and no one knows what he was saying. <laughs> You, uh, all right, there's your next homework, Boomer. Go ahead and go ahead and go ahead and Google it. Dog, Dog face, face pony. pony soldier. Uh, next story I got: Adventures in Woke World, Blue States, according to the Daily Caller. Deadline yesterday: Blue states attempt to crack down on guns. Firearm sales skyrocket. <laughs> I love this. Blue states have recently introduced restrictive gun laws that aim to remove firearms from the streets. But numerous states are now seeing massive increases in gun sales as Americans begin to vote with their wallets, according to the Firearm Industry Trade Association. Gun sales in Oregon, Washington, Illinois jumped either before or after, sometimes both, 
after they pass it. Looks like here's here's one. November, you may remember, in Oregon, residents narrowly passed pass what was called Ballot Measure 114, all right? It was a gun law that requires background checks, firearm training, fingerprint collection, a permit to even purchase a gun. Following the law's passing, background checks jumped from 29,000 to 86,000. That's like almost triple the amount. In March of 2022, Democrat Washington Governor Jay Inslee signed three gun laws that restrict gun usage, including where guns can be carried, how to handle firearms without serial numbers, and what kind of magazines can be made. Because you know, the smaller the magazine, the less likely there to be violent crime. I'm just saying. I mean, first of all, with you know, even as rusty as I am, I can. I just the other day I went to the range and and I, I did magazine changes. All right, so so hitting targets. And then you load a magazine with, a, with an unknown amount. You load two magazines, right? You don't know which one you put in. One of them has like maybe four rounds. One of them has six. So you're firing until you, you recognize the feeling of the weapon, you know, no longer being loaded. And then swap the magazine out as quickly. Stage your magazines and go for it. I could swap out a magazine in a matter of, you know, seconds. I got news. I could do it with a 10-round magazine, too. Anyway, <laughs> there's that. But... Just so you know, they got their new laws in Washington State, and the background checks for new gun purchases jumped from thirty-nine thousand to fifty-nine thousand just the same month. So basically, what it's—it's just I love it. I love it when they fail. Here's one that makes me mad, and it should make y'all mad. Epoch Times reports. It's a thick story. You can hear. You can tell. You can that tell. That sounded side. really thick. Whoa, big story. A California psychologist leaves California as her license is threatened after she dared to question transgenderism for, chi- transgenderism for children. So, yeah, a California psychologist whose license to practice was threatened after she spoke out against teaching transgender ideologies to third graders, third graders, third graders, as well as statewide lockdowns during the COVID-19 pandemic. She said leaving the state was her best option. Dr. Shanae Anderson, a clinical and forensic psychologist with 23 years of experience, was heckled by trans activists at a local school board meeting in Thousand Oaks, California last June, harassed on social media, said she received death threats and was targeted by left-wing extremist groups, including Antifa. Said she got a phone call from a friend who works with the FBI who said her name had come across his desk because Antifa was creating a hit list. Oh, boy. She moved to Virginia in September to take a different job. Uh, in the National Organization of the American Association of Christian Counselors. Anyway, she says that she literally spoke out saying that eight-year-olds were being exposed to sexual issues beyond their comprehension, that they don't have abstract thinking, she says. They only think in black and white. They don't understand gray. So these abstract concepts such as transgender ideologies are confusing to small children. It's not appropriate. Well, a transgender activist who opposes her position filed a 51-page complaint against her to the California Board of Psychology, and immediately she was called into question for her licensure. 23 years of unblemished practice. Anderson later discovered the activist had not only filed the complaint to the licensing board, but also emailed it to local representative Julia Brownlee um, and Assemblywoman Jackie Irwin, both Democrats, the school district superintendent and the Thousand Oaks City Council and the city attorney. I was devastated, she said. I've been licensed since 1999, had an impeccable record as a psychologist, trained by some of the best clinicians in the world. I now supervise and train others. I've been a professor 
And to have my license assaulted like this was very disturbing. Uh, so she and her husband, they decided uh, God had released them. She said that literally they had been thinking about leaving California for a while. But in her words, we didn't feel that God had released us yet. We were very active in the fight in California. But with her livelihood threatened and with threats against her personally, she said it was time for them to leave. So they're not backing down, though. They're taking the fight on a national level with the association. Good for them. Last thing I got, I think I'll make this the last one. Just so you know, Boomer, University of Southern California, mm. they're on it, man. They got to make sure you know that certain words are off limits now. Uh, yeah. Of course. Thanks, In- including, guys. Including the word field. Like football field? Like a football field or a farm field. F-I-E-L-D, field. That's off limits? Field is now racist. Did you not know this? I, I didn't. Field, using the word field, is, is insensitive. It's racist because, you know, it might make people imagine workers in a field, which could lead to the further thoughts of slavery with workers in the field, even though we have no workers enslaved in America working in fields for 150 years. But yeah. But yet they need to, we can't say that word anymore. No. It's hmm. very important. Very important. And that's, uh, yeah, United, or, or University of Southern California. Uh, that's enough. That's all the wokeness I can handle. That and whale blubber. I don't know what else we could possibly do to enlighten the audience about wokeness and the fight therein. Um, we're taking the break. We're coming right back. We're going to number three in the Triple Dipper. Yeah. Border Wars. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. back phil williams right side radio solid conservative and just plain right saving the world one soundbite at a time hey uh listen before i go any further i got to tell you you've heard me talk about the lawyers at riley and jackson law firm right i mean these are friends of mine i know these folks personally they are solid man they're good at what they do i like to say they're not just good on the law they're also pretty good on politics too if you know what i'm saying but, uh, yeah, Riley and Jackson, uh, a great firm out of Birmingham, but they work statewide. So they're working on a couple of things that they wanted me to make sure I kept telling you guys about. Number one, the Camp Lejeune water contamination thing. So if you have been, ex- been at, at Camp Lejeune as a service member, as a dependent, as a contractor, you know, permanent duty station or just there on training and TDY, whatever, anywhere between 1953 and 1987, that's a big window of time. You may be eligible for a claim because it is confirmed that there was known water contamination, which no one did anything about. And, oh, by the way, 19 major illnesses have been attributed to it. So if you have that concern, just call them. I'll give you the number here in a minute. You just call them and talk them through it. They will give you a live person to talk to to sort of assess your, your claim. Here's the other one. If you are a firefighter, one of our great first responders, if you're a firefighter or, for that matter, in the military using firefighting foam, then you may have been exposed to a known carcinogenic version of firefighting foam that, that literally 
could make you eligible for a claim of your own. And, and so if you, in, in these two categories, Camp Lejeune, water contamination, 1953 to 87, firefighting with uh, firefighting foam, talk to the folks at Riley and Jackson. They won't charge you for the phone call. They will, they will square up with you. They'll give you a fair assessment of what they think you have. They will never get paid unless they get you paid first. And they've made a career out of getting people made whole uh, due to the negligence of others. So here's their phone number. You ready? Riley and Jackson, 205-879-5000. That's Riley and Jackson, 205-879-5000. And by the way, do me a favor. Tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio because they've gotten a bunch of our Right Side folks signed up lately. All right, here's the thing I got to do. No representation made the quality legal services before it was created with quality legal services before the lawyers. Now, that one was good. That one was good. I could I could understand it. <laughs> I couldn't repeat it, but I could understand it. Uh, okay. Anyway. All right. Uh, hey, we're, move, we're moving on. Um, the border crisis. The border wars is what I'm calling this section of the Triple Dipper. And I got to tell you, there's an amazing amount of hypocrisy in there. I want to know where AOC is, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, the young skull full of mush who ran for Congress and got elected after being a barista, uh, is now serving uh, in Congress. And she, um, she made that infamous trip, all dressed in white, to the southern border to stand there and cry and place her hand on her face when she saw the travesties being enacted upon living people by the Trump administration. Where is she now? She can care less. She can care less because um, Democrats are in charge and we don't want to own this thing. It's so much worse than it ever was under the Trump administration. What's interesting to me, though, as I was preparing for this segment, is what is being said by Mexico's leadership. Because, oh, by the way, it's changed. Yeah. So you may recall last week, President Biden, was it last week? Thereabouts, maybe the week before. President Biden finally, finally, finally made a trip to the southern border. I mean, two years into office, and he finally makes a trip to the southern border. It's one of the largest national crises ongoing. It's, it's literally one of the largest policy questions in debate in D.C. It's literally causing declarations of emergency. It's causing his administration to sue states like Texas, Arizona, uh, and, 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 and sue them to uh, follow his policies. It's wrapped up in the Supreme Court right now as the Title 42 question gets debated uh, before the Supreme Court. All of this, we're talking about it's the government, uh, the federal government versus state governments. It's the Supreme Court weighing in on the legalities. It's, it's everything. And yet it took him two freaking years to go to the border. And he was there for an entire three hours. And they cleaned up the streets of El Paso to make sure it wasn't going to be too offensive. We didn't want him, you know, having his, you know, motorcade, uh, have a picture of it driving past the homeless encampments of migrants who were literally covering the streets of El Paso. Oh, until they found out the president was coming, they got him off the streets. Um, well, I'm going to hold it till we get back from the break, but I got, I, got a, I got a story here. Quotes from the president of Mexico in July of 2020 compared to quotes from the president of Mexico last week with President Biden. Interesting. 
If you have any questions at all about whether or not Mexico was responding differently to Trump, <sighs> all you need to do is look at the comments, literally just two and a half years apart from the same president of Mexico. It is stunning. You guys stay tuned. I'll tell you all about it when we get back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, number three of the Triple Dipper, The Border Wars. We'll be right back. Side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. And we are back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, saving the world. One soundbite at a time, covering some ground across the northern part of our great state. Hey, um, listen, I'm in number three of the Triple Dipper Border Wars. Before I do that, though, I got to tell you, um, my friends at ZLA Solutions, I was talking to them most recently. They just had the biggest year they've ever had. Uh, they are doing an epic good job at putting jobs and people together. So if you are literally looking for a job right now, I want to encourage you, go to their website, ZLAUSA.com. That's www.zlausa.com. They've got jobs posted all over North Alabama, good-paying jobs, some of them with benefits. Check those out. But then also, if you're an employer looking to fill out the ranks of your workforce, then just, just know that that's their bread and butter, man. I mean, they do all kinds of stuff, sorting, containment, quality control, logistics, warehousing. They do all that stuff. But if you're looking to fill out the ranks of your workforce, they can do the recruiting, the background checks, the drug testing if necessary, blue collar, white collar, no collar, it don't matter. ZLA Solutions. They like to say at ZLA, they don't make it, they just make it better. And uh, there you go. Um, ZLA Solutions at ZLAUSA.com. And do me a favor, tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. Um, all right, I'm in number three of the Triple Dipper Border Wars. Had a story here. I mean, first of all, let me just say, we have got to do something about the southern border, if nothing else, because of the damage being done to the lives of people. And I don't just mean, you know, uh, Americans who are facing, you know, the, 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 the waves of people coming across their personal properties and the crime and, and the fentanyl crisis. Yes, but even those who are making the trek, who, even those who are being lured here, here's a story that came out on Fox yesterday boggles my mind, man. I mean, I've, I've got a little grandbaby daughter, a daughter, a granddaughter, and, and, and just the, and I raised a daughter. I cannot imagine this story. Three girls abandoned near the Rio Grande, the Mexican officials make a rescue. It says a trio of sisters from El Salvador were rescued by Mexican authorities after being abandoned at the border. They were ages one, six, and nine. 
They were discovered after the Mexican National Guard put out an alert. The girls were found on Isla del Mudo uh, by National Institute of Immigration officials who promptly brought the children to safely. Um, it's an area that has strong currents in the river. It, it's taken the lives of many migrants. Uh, video footage was captured showing the nine-year-old carrying her infant sister and helping her six-year-old sibling into the boat. Um, that kind of thing shouldn't be happening. It shouldn't be happening. And I, I don't want to say it would stop cold if we had a different president, but I can tell you this. I'm about to read you some stats in a minute that will show you very clearly the difference in the policies of the two administrations. And I'm going to tell you right now, I really believe stories like that with the three little girls, we would not be hearing stories like that if the policies that had been in place prior to the Biden administration were just kept in place. And I don't care. You can find any number of reasons to run against Trump, but you don't have to go in there and change everything the man did, because guess what? Some of it might have been working. In fact, I, I would dare say the majority of it was working. But if you want to change his social policies, I get it. If you want to change his defense policy, I get it. If you want to spend more money than him, I get it. You know what? We're paying for the fact that you're there. But the reality is this, if it wasn't broke, don't fix it. And the, the, the bottom line is, it's broken now. Here's the thing, the Mexican president is like a freaking chameleon. So here's a story from July of 2020, Mexican president Andre Manuel Lopez Obrador. He is still the same president today. This is from July of 2020. The Mexican president then said, headline, I don't have an opinion on the border wall. Hmm. Interesting. Mexican president Andre Manuel Lopez Obrador said Monday, that's back in July of 2020, that he has no opinion on the construction of a wall between the U.S. and Mexico. He told reporters at his daily press conference that border wall construction, a key component of President Trump's hardline immigration policy, is not an issue for Mexico. It was not even discussed when he went to the White House for a visit. He says, well, I don't have an opinion. It was not discussed. It was not our agenda. The president was severely criticized at home. That's, that's Manuel Lopez, Lopez Obrador. Um, he was severely criticized in, among Mexican-Americans even after his trip to Washington where he was laser-focused on a trade agreement and seemed to go out of his way to laud Trump's treatments of Mexico in the United States. In his words, he said he wanted to avoid any confrontation with the U.S. government. He said, I want to maintain a friendly relationship with the U.S. government. I think it's convenient for Mexicans. My adversaries wanted something else. They wanted the fight, and it wasn't so. So he had no opinion in July of 2020. Fast forward, January 2023. Mexican president thanks Biden for not building any more border wall and pushes for amnesty. The heck? Mexican president Andre Manuel Lopez Obrador on Tuesday, this story came out last week, by the way, praised President Biden for being the first U.S. leader in a very long time that has not built any additional wall at the U.S.-Mexico border while also pushing for an amnesty for Mexican illegal immigrants. That's some gall, man. First of all, sir, when the Trump administration was in, you didn't want to, you know, you didn't want to bite the hand that was feeding you. You didn't want to deal with the idea that if you rock the boat, uh, guess what? Trump would actually do something. But now you've got Mr. Squishy in the White House, and the same guy, two and a half years later, says, quote, you are the first, this is at a press conference, you are the first president of the United States in a very long time that has not even built one meter of wall. 
said Lopez Obrador to Biden at the North American Leaders Summit. We thank you for that, sir, although some might not like it, although the conservatives don't like it. And he goes on to talk about the fact that the Biden administration and congressional Democrats called the wall costly and ineffective, as well as being a sign of xenophobia. Because it's always, always gotta, they always got to call you something when you push back. Well, let's take a look. So, President Lopez Obrador didn't care about a wall, didn't want to talk about a wall. We don't talk wall. Wall is not important. I have no opinion on this. Two and a half years later, thank you, Mr. President Biden, for building no wall. And please, would you place amnesty? Well, here's the thing. I got numbers here. Pew Research just came out with a new study. Dated January 13th, three days ago. Literally. The number of monthly migrant encounters in April of 2020, monthly, was down to 16,182. 16,182. Fast forward two and a half years. In November of 2022, it had soared to 206,239. There was one study, and I haven't been able to find it yet, but I heard it quoted this morning on Fox News, that said we may actually surpass 250,000 in one month, which would be the first time ever. So we went from 16,000 just before President Oberdor said, I have no opinion on the wall. Uh, I do not talk about the wall. I did not want to rock the boat. To two and a half years later when he's going, thank you for not building any more wall. And oh, by the way, we've gone from 16,000 monthly encounters to 206,000. In April 2020, it says, for instance, here's, here's, a, here's a thought. The world, By the way, the world knows that our border is open. The world knows that our border is open. It's not just, this is not just Mexicans coming across the Rio Grande. It's not just Central Americans coming across. It's, it's not just, for that matter, South Americans. The world knows that they can get here if they want to. In April 2020, in the first week, this is the same Pew Research study, in the first weeks of the U.S. coronavirus outbreak, people from Mexico and northern triangle countries of El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras accounted for the vast majority of those encountered at the border no longer the case. In November of 2022, a majority of the migrants encountered at the border, 63%, were from countries other than Mexico and the Northern Triangle. Oh, really? Because the world knows, y'all. The world knows what the Biden administration won't say. The world knows the border's not secure. It says some of the biggest increases in encounters have involved people from Colombia, Cuba, Nicaragua, Peru, and Venezuela, For example, it says, in April 2020, there were only four encounters with Colombian nationals. In November 2022, there were 15,000 with Colombians. How about Cubans? April 2020, 161 Cubans. November 2022, 34,000 Cubans. How about Nicaragua? 86 to 34,000. The number of encounters involving people from Peru rose from 18 under Trump to 8,400. I'm just telling you, the world knows. The world knows. The president of Mexico knows. The president of Mexico knows he does not have anybody there who's going to do anything hardline. And so he's all of a sudden got an opinion on the border wall, whereas two and a half years later under Trump, it was more important that he toe that line. You know why? 
because Trump not only had a policy on this side of the border, he had a policy that affected the south side of the border. And we don't have that right now. I got about a minute and a half here. I see I got a caller on the line. I'll grab that real quick. Is that Brian? Brian from Huntsville. How you doing, buddy? Mighty fine, and you nailed most of it already. But uh, at one point, uh, it's a conduit. Mexico doesn't want all these people going through, even though they are supposed to apply for asylum in the first country they go into. Yeah. And uh, if if it's a Panama, that's relatively easy to, uh, how do you say it, contain. Yeah. And you you were mentioning the Cubans coming around that route. If the Cubans make it to Florida, which I understand them wanting to leave, but uh, technically they, last I knew, they get asylum automatically. Yeah, it's it's yes. I I, I think that may be the case. Um, and they can certainly if find by land or by sea. Yeah, I, I I think you may be right. That's a leftover from the uh, Muriel boat lift. But um, um, yeah, Brian, you're right. It's a, and by the way, that that southern border uh, of Mexico, you mentioned it down there by the isthmus is so narrow. You could literally lock that place down, as opposed to the several thousand mile long border we have here on the northern side of Mexico. Um, and the president gives thanks because uh, Mexico gives thanks because, um, hey, he doesn't have to keep him keep everybody in his country. It's not like you just said. It's not mainly the Mexicans. They're just taking over their their land and their area. If they have to stay there. Yep. As they have to do in Arizona and Texas and beyond. You are so correct. Hey, we got to run to a break, man. Appreciate you, Brian. Bye. All right, take it to break, Boomer. We'll come right back and wrap this up. What did the mayor of New York just say? You may want to hear this. Because suddenly, it feels like something's different. What the heck, man? Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We'll be right back. Back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all of North Alabama. Solid conservative, just plain right. Uh, okay, so listen, um, I got to tell you, man, it's, it's I love cooler weather. I mean, I think, I think like cooler weather, even, I, I say that, then I love summer, then I love fall and spring. Anyway, the bottom line is this, cooler weather, what a great time to Take some time and go to Just Love Coffee Cafe and get like something special that you would normally not ever get, like a giant cappuccino in these like coffee mugs that are so big you could wash your dog in them, or or you know an espresso or a latte, or just have them grind the beans fresh and make you some of their award-winning light roast, medium roast, dark roast coffees. Just Love Coffee Cafe, but it's more than just coffee. Their food is amazing. And even their atmosphere is designed for you. It's designed to have a place where you can hang out, you can have meetings. They've got places like, you know, where you can set up your laptop and use their Wi-Fi. You, you know, the, the one up in Madison even has, um, uh, like, you know, games and books. You can, you can have a table there and sit with your friends. So, yeah, Just Love Coffee Cafe. Two locations in our listening area. One on Hughes Road in Madison out towards City Hall. The other on South Parkway in Huntsville down yonder near Whole Foods. So 
let me encourage you to check them out. Just Love Coffee Cafe, Hughes Road in Madison, South Parkway in Huntsville. And do me a favor, tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. Um, all right, wrapping this segment up, I got to tell you, there is something afoot. I mean, we're watching the stuff like, you know, it's like Biden's own people are throwing them under the bus with documents being found constantly. Uh, and then I look at what's happening with suddenly there's the recognition that we have a southern border crisis. Well, first of all, we're past the midterms. Okay. Secondly, the governors who are doing the, you know, the bus ministry <laughs> with illegals and shipping them to cities like New York City, Martha's Vineyard, uh, and other woke, you know, sanctuary cities, it's actually working. So Democrat Mayor Adams of New York City, the mayor of New York City, has now called on the federal government to be proactive in securing the border. Democrat Mayor Eric Adams, this past Sunday, just yesterday, story on Fox News dated yesterday afternoon, actually went to El Paso himself. He did more than President Biden did. He actually held a press conference with the mayor of El Paso. He saw firsthand what El Paso has been dealing with. And then he also pointed out that he's got 3,100 asylum seekers with another 800 arriving. He's got close to 4,000. In, 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 by the way, 4,000 is like an hour and a half on the border. But he's got like 4,000 uh, in, in D.C., or excuse me, in New York City. And he says, we're pointing the finger at the national government. This is a national problem. We must have real immigration reform. We must be immediately, we must have immediately a short-term fix of making sure that the cost of this does not fall on our local cities. And he's saying that they're roughly at the breaking point. Okay, that's his call. Now, I will say this. Here's an idea, Mayor Adams. Stop putting them up in luxury hotels because that's costing you a whole lot more than what would be necessary. Stop feeding them, you know, massive amounts of food that they throw away because all you're doing is throwing money down a hole that way. It, it, so if, if, if they might want to retool the way they handle things, but right now Mayor Adams is saying he's got to have more money. Well, okay, where's that other story I've got here? Uh, there's the one about Katie Britt going to the wall. I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Denver. Story from localdenver7.com. Channel 7 in Denver. We are at our breaking point. Denver not able to sustain the arriving migrants much longer, city officials say. The city of Denver has spent more than $1.5 million on all aspects of sheltering arriving migrants since the first week of December and is on track to spend $3 million by the end of the month. Just since December, they budgeted $3 million for the year. It's almost gone. So this has been extremely taxing on city resources, uh, said uh, uh, Michaela Ortega, the Denver Joint Information Center representative. Um, we don't have federal resources like border communities do. <laughs> Yeah, they've got it good on the border. So the help we can provide in Denver is very limited. We're at the point we're not able to sustain much longer. We're at our breaking point. The city has helped 2,761 migrants, uh, um, and, and literally 130 more arrived overnight. Uh, that's just since December. State of Colorado did provide a million and a half dollars for assistance. There's two and a half million dollars in the ARPA rescue plan. That's the federal dollars. It's been made available statewide, and we're exceeding those resources. Now, I will say this. I heard one report that said that Denver, about, about a third of what they've spent so far, has been buying bus tickets to send them other places. Indiana, 
Story from IndyStar.com. This is Indiana. It's an op-ed by a guy named Scott Hammond. He says, too little, too late. President Biden on January 5th announced several new policies. But he goes on to say, overwhelmed border towns in Texas and Arizona have declared states of emergency. But here we are in Indiana dealing with it, too. So you're talking about the heartland. You're talking about Indiana. You're talking about Denver, Colorado. You're talking about New York City. You're talking about many other communities all of which are beginning to feel it. And oh, by the way, it's interesting to me, Democrats are calling out the Biden administration. Larger conspiracy theory here in my mind is that they are trying to get rid of Biden. They don't want him to run for another office. They realize what a debacle he is. But the other piece is maybe they've seen the light or maybe at the very least they've just felt the pain. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest it's probably the pain. They're feeling the pain. Even Mayor Adams the elected Democrat of New York City, he has to recognize when the people of New York City are screaming at him because it is so unsafe and things are overwhelming. So there you have it, folks. What a great day, man. All right. Awesome day. Boomer, appreciate you, man. Boomer and I are back here tomorrow at 2. You guys have an amazing night. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. We'll see you then. Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right.